Hey, it's Scott Petrick. Welcome to another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. We're just over a week away from the start of a highly anticipated Brown season, and I'm joined again by Dave Chodowski of the WKYC Morning News to talk about it. Dave, we have roster cuts this week, and we have a long weekend, and then we come back next week to really gear up for week one against the Chiefs. So how are you doing? Good. And we talked about this last week, Scott. I like this new way that the NFL is doing it, where you get the roster cuts during the week. You get Labor Day weekend to kind of chill. I know the players can get away. Uh, it's almost kind of like a, a mini buy for them, right, to uh, get away before the season starts. And you can enjoy your Labor Day weekend <laughs> for the first time maybe ever. And uh, I, this morning, I was, I'm pretty fired up. I'm starting to work on my piece. Um, you know, even though I do the morning news now, as you know, for – Ever I did sports, right? Sure, sure. Um, and uh, I still dabble into sports in the mornings. And whenever I get a chance to do pieces, I do. And I started writing my uh, uh, preview piece that will air next Friday. And, you know, it just kind of got me pumped up, you know, thinking about the season and just uh, going back and watching some file video and uh, Jimmy's call. Uh, I was looking <laughs> up some file video and it's like, Kansas City, here we come. And, and I'm thinking, here we come again. You know? Yeah. And that's yeah. how I'm going to start the piece off because. That's how the season ended against the Chiefs. That's how it's going to start. And I'm just fired up, man. I mean, this is this is one of my favorite times of the year. I mean, it's like, you know, you feel like on Christmas morning, uh, you know, I cannot wait for the first game. Uh, Browns and Chiefs, fantasy football is back. You know, Thursday night will be, what, Buccaneers and Cowboys. I mean, yeah. it really th – this is one of the best times. The change of seasons coming. I, I hate to see the summer go, but uh, this is what it this, – this is just awesome. I mean, you got to be pumped up, too. Oh, there's no doubt. And I, I'm with you. I don't want to see summer go because we know that we're just, uh, you know, step closer to winter. Um, but I do <laughs> love this part of it. And I love, I mean, we're taping this on Thursday afternoon. It'll probably be posted Friday morning. Um, Thursday night was the Buckeyes opener, right? Friday nights, my Northwestern Wildcats play for the first time. And then after we get through this long weekend, uh, then it's all geared up for the NFL. And we'll have yeah. a million storylines to talk about next week. And returning to Kansas City, right, is at the top of that list. Um, so, yeah. Got to interrupt you real quick, though. Yeah. You yeah. bring up the Buckeyes and, and Ryan Day. And I don't know if you ever go on Twitter or you see on the oh, morning sure. news, people like to have a lot of fun with people thinking that Ryan Day and I are the same person that we look alike. <laughs> and he shaved his beard. So there's no uh, no beard anymore for the start of uh, the, the Buckeye season. So I guess no Ohio State head coach has ever had a beard on the sideline. I, I don't know. I, that, that's, huh. that's, what, that's what I'm hearing. I don't know if it was just for the first game or, you know, whatever. I have to research yeah. that a little bit more. But uh, he said he had to shave it, you know, superstition. And uh, But you're right, man. College football, high school football is back. So, but as far as this week goes, uh, you know, roster cuts was the, the big thing. Any surprises there with you? I mean, I, I know this year was, we've talked about this in the past, a little bit different because we felt like there'd be some players that probably deserved a spot on the roster, but that weren't going to make it. Did that, did that hold true, do you think? A little bit. Yeah. You know, we talk so much about it and then it happens. And I, I feel like there's a little bit of a letdown because the guys that are involved, the quote unquote surprises are really bottom of the roster kind of guys. And when the dust settles, it's like, oh, does that really have a huge impact on the team? But, you know, Kadero Hodge, the receiver, special teamer, he's a really good player. And the Browns decided not to keep him. Part of that might have been the $2 million that his salary was going to be. 
and they decided to put him on waivers. And if he cleared waivers, they were going to try to re-sign him. But he did not clear waivers. The Lions signed him. John Dorsey, the former Browns GM who brought him into Cleveland in 2019, is in the front office with Detroit. And they claimed him. Now, you know, I don't think that's going to make or break the Browns, but I do think he helped the roster, especially from a special team standpoint. But also, he's a big, tall, fast receiver that opened last year as a number three wideout. And he would play. He'd be that one wideout when they would go heavy set. And he could block on the edge. He could get open. Um, you know, didn't have huge numbers. Never caught a touchdown in the regular season. But, you know, he's a guy that I think you like to have on your team. Um, you know, they cut Sheldrick Redwine, the safety. That's not a surprise. But he gets signed then by the Jets. So a couple of guys around the league that other teams are interested in on their active roster. And then quarterback Kyle Lalletta, the Browns cut him and decided to go get Nick Mullins to be their third guy on the practice squad. And then Loletta goes and signs or get, winds up on somebody else's practice squad. So you saw that with some guys get claimed. Um, Kobe Gossett, one of the guards, um, got claimed by the Falcons. So I, I do think that people around the league look at this roster and say, yes, we like some of those guys and we, we want them on our team. But I also know that once you've had guys with you for training camp, like teams want to hold on to those guys because they've invested in them. Right. They've taught them the system as opposed to getting a guy, you know, on September 1st and saying, all right, you got 11 days to get up to speed for week one. I think it has to be a special case to make that exception. And obviously we saw a handful of those. And then the other couple of things that stuck out to me is one Malik McDowell, the D tackle who you know, everybody should know his backstory by now. If not go to brownzone.com and you can read the story. You know, he was the second round pick of the Seahawks in 17 never played, got in a serious ATV accident that called, caused a head injury, um, wasn't cleared to play for a while, got in a bunch of off-the-field issue or legal trouble, um, went to jail, and this is the Browns gave him a chance. And he took that chance and got better and better, got healthy, got used to playing football again, and almost dominated in those last two preseason games to solidify a spot on the active roster. I think he'll be part of the tackle rotation in Kansas city. So it's a good story. And he's a guy to keep an eye on because he does have a lot of upside. And then the last thing is defensive end for a while. It looked like they're only keeping three, like that initial 53 man roster. Well, they had a bunch of candidates. They brought back Port Augustine and Curtis Weaver on the practice squad, but then re-signed Joe Jackson to the active roster. They needed a fourth end. I thought Joe Jackson played the best of the ends in the preseason. And he got that fourth spot, which is big because, you know, Tack McKinley, we know that he left camp for three weeks for personal reasons. Um, so it's a little bit of an uncertainty with Tack. And then Jadavion Clowney's injury history. So you need some depth behind Miles Garrett, and Joe Jackson will be that guy. And the Lions, uh, not a surprise there because they had just uh, released Brashard Perryman, right? Right, which is another, so you know, former Browns guy, right? A Browns connection. So they, they needed a wide receiver. And, you know, I mean, it, it says something about the Browns roster that these guys, it's not every day that, you know, when the Browns players get released that they get picked up by other teams. So, um, it, like you said, I mean, it, it, they're bottom of the guy rosters, uh, roster spots. But, uh, you know, you, 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 one, one thing I wanted to ask you about was the offensive line. Yeah. They kept a – is that more than normal? They kept the 10. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I thought – I mean, it's not – 
it's not super abnormal. Um, I expected him to keep nine. I thought there was a chance they would only keep eight and then have a couple guys on the practice squad that you can bring up easily. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I was wondering why they wound up doing that. And, you know, part of it could just be that they liked all 10 and didn't want to expose any of them to the waivers, right. To waiver claims. Um, the 10th guy, well, I guess nine and 10 were Michael Don, the guard and Blake Hans, the guard, both of whom came over kind of at the end of last season. Um, both had to play in the playoffs because of injuries and COVID issues. Um, Dunn felt like he was always going to be the ninth guy, but then he had a back injury and didn't practice for the last couple of weeks. He's still working on the sideline. So I, I suppose the Browns could try to put him on injured reserve, that short-term IR where you have to miss three games if they felt the need to open up a roster spot. But it also feels like they're trying to get him back because he's working on the field and feels like he's relatively close. Um, but then with him not being ready right now, at least, I think you needed Blake Hans to give you that ninth guy. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little much. Um, I'd be surprised if they kept 10 all season long, just because injuries crop up at other spots, but that's a position where you need that depth. And especially if you don't trust James Hudson, the third, the rookie right now, um, you know, you got Chris Hubbard kind of as your swing guy, you got Nick Harris as your backup center. You need some help on the interior. How about it running back? Were you surprised at that position at all? I, I wasn't. I know some people weren't convinced that Dearness Johnson was going to make the team, especially with the preseason and camp that rookie Demetric Felton had. And you could tell the Browns are going to keep Felton as a running back, even though he's got that crossover ability to receiver, to play receiver. It felt like, you know, from a roster perspective, he was going to stick as a running back. But, you know, not that it was decided in that Falcons preseason finale, but it just reminded me how hard Dearness Johnson runs. And we already knew he was a pivotal member of the special teams. Mike Prefer, the coordinator, talks about him a lot, glowingly. He can return if you need him to. He can be your personal protector on the punt team. Uh, you know, he goes and covers. He blocks. He, I mean, he does it all on special teams. But I also think if you're looking offensively, like if something happened to Kareem Hunt, an injury that sidelined him for whatever time, I think the Browns are more comfortable with Dearness Johnson right now. He's a little bigger than Felton. We've seen him um, pick up blitzes, which is something Felton is still getting used to because of his late transition to running back. And he's not as, you know, he's a smaller guy. And I think Dearness Johnson could step in and be your third down back. Now he's not Kareem Hunt, but he could fill that role and do everything you need a third down back to do where I think Felton might need to grow into that role. So, you know, I wasn't convinced that they were keeping Darius Johnson, but I thought it was a wise move, and then it turned out that they did keep him. How about a kicker? Do you, do you think we're set there, or do you think there will be any changes? Well, I, I would not use the word set. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, I mean, we're pretty close to the season here, right? I, I don't expect the Browns to bring in somebody over the weekend or next Monday – um, to be to replace Chase McLaughlin. Like, I think he's going to be your guy in Kansas City. I wouldn't bet a ton of money on that. I wouldn't say it's a lock, but it feels like it's going that way because, you know, the Cubs were Tuesday, so the Browns had the last two or three days to bring in competition, and they didn't. Um, so I think McLaughlin's going to get the shot week one, and part of that is the continuity 
in the familiarity of being here for the last, whatever, three, four months, right? He was here in the offseason. He was here in training camp, here in the preseason. And there is a timing and a rhythm with long snapper, hold, kick. There just is. And I don't know if you want to bring in a guy and say, okay, you got, you know, four days to figure that out. Now, I look at it a little bit like last year, Austin Seibert or Siebert was the guy week one, but he had struggled. And when he struggled again, week one, LeBron said, okay, we have to get rid of him. Now McLaughlin had a pretty good preseason and he, or he, had, he had a good training camp, had a good preseason up until that Falcons game. And then, you know, he misses a 57 yarder off the crossbar. And, and to me, that's hard to really knock him for it. If it's another six inches, he makes a really long kick and you probably go, oh my gosh, you feel great about the kicking situation. But then in the fourth quarter, he badly missed an extra point and it was wide right and it wasn't close. I mean, it looked like a shank almost, you know, a golf shot. Um, and you just wonder what kind of doubt that puts in his head, what kind of doubt it puts in Mike Prefer or Kevin Sapansky's heads. So I feel like because he's not established in the league, because he's not really established with the Browns, um, he's a guy that could, could be replaced early in the year if he struggles. Where do we stand on the injury front right now? Getting better. Getting better. Today out of practice, Grant Delpit joined the team. Now, he'd been working on the side. I saw him do stretching and then do individual drills. Um, we have to leave before team drills, so I don't know if he did that, any of those. Greedy Williams was back, and Sione Takitaki. Now, I expect Takitaki to be the starting strong side linebacker week one. Now, I don't think the Browns are going to be in their base defense very often, so – but I think when they are, if they are, he's going to be that third linebacker. And then Grant Delpit, I think if he continues to stay healthy and shows, you know, for the next week and a half that, that he's back from that hamstring to whatever degree possible, you know, I, I think the Browns figure out a way to get him on the field week one, whether that's six snaps, 10 snaps, in that probably is that third safety in the dime package that coordinator Joe Woods really wants to rely on. And then Greedy Williams, um, again, if he's healthy, if you feel like, yes, he can go run like he needs to run week one, he projects to be the fourth corner, but Troy Hill, your starting nickelback has been working on the side and remained on the side today. So if Greedy's back, at least you have some depth there and some flexibility where if Hill can't play, you can start with Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom on the outside. And then when the chiefs go three wides, you slide Newsom into the slot where he's been cross-training and put Greedy Williams on the outside. Um, there you have three of your top four corners playing, and you don't have to go to an A.J. AJ Green or an M.J. Stewart Jr. Um, so, so the fact that Delpit and Williams and Takitaki practice, I think, is a great sign that they'll probably be ready to contribute week one. And, and that's three key members of your defense and defensive rotation. So you're working on a couple features this week. Uh, what do you got brewing here for uh, all the uh, viewers? Yeah, we. Um, I sat down with Greg Newsom. All the days run together, so let me figure this out. Uh, Greg Newsom on <laughs> – actually, I think they most, both might have been Wednesday, one before practice and one after practice. But Greg Newsom, the second, and then Miles Garrett. So Greg Newsom, we talked, we talked a little bit about our love for Northwestern. Um, we talked a lot about technique. And what's really struck me in the last 
you know, since training camp started really, but when you talk to Newsom's coaches, you talk to his teammates, they really talk about his willingness to not only change technique, but to really focus on the attention to detail. And when a coach tells him something, he listens and applies it immediately. And we talked about that, where it came from. A lot of it comes from his mom. Uh, He's always just kind of wanted to do what people have told him and do what the authority figures say and doesn't talk back, says, okay, and he goes and does it. So we talked about the philosophy, and then we talked about the actual technique changes and what he was asked to do at Northwestern, what he'll be asked to do with the Browns, and how week one, that could be against Tyreek Hill. And that's pretty, um, from the outside, would be intimidating. Greg Newsom's not intimidated. Um, but that's a, an early difficult matchup to test a technique change and to welcome you to the NFL. And then Miles, so that'll be, you know, both these stories will be posted sometime over this long weekend, kind of spreading out the coverage. And then Miles Garrett, um, you know, when he was voted 16th on the NFL Network top 100 players, he tweeted something like 15 players ahead of me noted. So I talked to him about the motivation of thinking you're underappreciated and how does that drive you? Does it drive you during off-season practices? Does it drive you um, or during off-season workouts or, you know, when you head to practice field, like, is that in the front of your mind? And he said the motivation never leaves him. Like it's a nonstop thing for him about how do I stay on top of my game when I'm not on the field? Am I watching film? Am I eating right? And, and I just thought of some insight into, you know, a guy who thinks he's the most talented player in the league, which that comment in itself is staggering, right? That he thinks he's a, the most talented player in the league, but he might not be far off, number one. And just the kind of the mindset behind that. And then we also talked a little bit about Giannis in the Bucks and how he's stuck in Milwaukee, a small market. They win an NBA title. And we know Miles is a huge basketball fan. And Miles said, yeah, there are some parallels to him in Cleveland and Cleveland trying to win, you know, its championship and the small market and staying loyal to the team that's loyal to you. And for Miles, that's on so many levels. It's sticking with them after the Mason Rudolph incident, giving him the gigantic contract that he had a year ago, drafting him number one overall to start. So um, I, I think it's going to be, you know, I haven't written it yet, but I thought there were definitely some interesting things that I could take from those interviews. Coming up on the season here, obviously we saw the Nick Chubb contract, but still nothing for Baker or Denzel Ward either, right? No, and, you know, it doesn't sound like the Baker thing is making any progress, which I don't think we should be surprised by by now, right? We've seen this go on for a couple of months, and neither side seems worried about it. Neither side seems to have a huge sense of urgency. Now, that could change if, the Browns get off to a great start and Baker gets off to a great start. Maybe that's all that both sides need to say, you know what, let's just get this done. Um, you know, could it happen in the first six weeks of the season? I think it could, you know, assuming Baker plays well, the Browns get off to that strong start that I think a lot of people, people expect them to. Maybe that just answers any lingering questions or lingering doubts. And the Browns can say, okay, we'll go pay you Josh Allen money, right? Because that's probably what it would take. Um, so that wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, if we go back five months, I'm surprised that something hasn't gotten done by now. But over the last two months, it felt like it was heading in this direction. And then Denzel Ward, um, all along, I thought it could be a next offseason um, extension, except when we talked to Denzel in the offseason, he said 
talks had already begun. So then you thought, okay, maybe they get, this gets done um, sooner than I had thought. So I, you know, I wouldn't wipe that out either as a possibility at some point. Um, but again, you know, he signed through 2022, just like Baker because of those fifth year options. I, I just don't see there's a huge rush, especially with Denzel, Denzel. Like I feel a little bit more of a rush personally than probably the bronze or even Baker's Baker does just because he's your quarterback. Um, but I think eventually both get done. Um, I still think Baker gets done before Denzel just because that position is, you know, so vitally important. Two more things for you. We'll talk more about this next week, but when you brought up the injuries, it made me think about the story I'm working on next week. And we've talked about this, but that's really, you know, the, the main part of my future is going to be what can derail this season. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not taking a negative approach, Scott, but what I am doing is realizing that just because they did what they did last year, doesn't mean it's going to happen again this year. I obviously think it can, but obviously injuries, you got to stay healthy. You've talked about it. We've talked about it, but that, you know, there's no way to prevent it, but that's definitely something that could sneak up on you. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt. And yeah, that, that would be the number one thing I'd be worried about if I'm inside the Browns organization, if I'm a Browns fan, um, you know, and there's also just the NFL is a razor thin league, right? There's not a lot of margin between wins and losses. A couple of bounces go the wrong way, a couple of missed kicks, whatever it is. And instead of going 12 and five, you go 10 and seven and you're the first team outside of the playoffs. Right. So, you know, there's no givens in this league. Um, you know, even if you're the Chiefs or New England or uh, Tampa Bay, like I don't think there's a given that they're going to automatically turn to the playoffs. Yes, you'd expect them to. I expect the Browns to. Um, but I also, and I, I, we, we can touch on this more next week too, Chud. I was alerted to a stat about teams that break long playoff droughts. Do they go back the next year? And most of the teams don't. When you break that long playoff drought like the Browns did a year ago, most times the next year there's a step back. Now, I, I think the Browns would argue they're in a different spot and they're set up for sustained success, but that's something to key, keep an eye on. No doubt. One thing I looked up this morning, I was curious to see where Vegas was at with the Browns right now, over, under wins, 10 and a half, 10 and a half. And last week, I believe you predicted 11 wins. I predicted 10. We will go with our final shot next week but i just wanted to bring it up again and yeah. see if you wavered at all and does that <laughs> surprise does that surprise you that vegas has it right there no well not not when you hang out with the people i do shut i'd heard that number <laughs> i heard that number um but that's that's a high number it, it is and that's that's what brought up that whole discussion of taking that step back it's man that's a high number for vegas um but it's i think it's right on i, I really do i think you know, I mean, I think they win 11 or 12. We'll give the final number next week. But like I said, there's not a whole lot that separates, right, winning that 11th game to winning only 10. And that's why Vegas is Vegas. And you got to remember, too, we got an extra game this year. Yeah. You know, it goes into the injury equation again. It goes into, you know, you need more. I don't want to say more depth, but, I mean, you got you to gotta have a deeper roster. You're going to have to, I mean, it's going to be a little bit, I know a lot of people like, oh, it's just one game. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's something we've never seen before. So it's definitely something to consider. And, you know, I'll go in again and just say um, right now where I stand, 
like I said, I'm at 10 right now. Yeah. I just think it's that 10 to 12 zone. Whereas if they won nine or less, I would be like, wow, I can't believe that. But if they won 13 or more, I'd be like, holy crap. You know? <laughs> so I know that's, you know, it's not like I'm making some big, uh, amazing prediction there, but that's just kind of where I feel they fall. Yeah. But you're right. That is, I mean, Vegas, 10 and a half, you know, we'll see. And we could talk more about this next week, but uh, that's it for me. Um, I, I don't know. It's like the golf course calling your name or anything. I mean, you, got some t- <laughs> you got, you can get away here for, for a few days, huh? Or, well, or, or do you have still have to work every day? Yeah, no, I do. I have writing to do every day. I got to give people something to read and I have my big season preview section that comes out. I don't know, next Wednesday or Thursday. So I'll spend a good chunk of the weekend writing, but I will be able to spend some time and I do have a tea time. Friday morning at 11 a.m., which is why we had to tape this on Thursday. Um, oh, yeah, no, yeah. the truth comes out. Oh, I was well, I was just hiding that a little bit, Judd. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm golfing tomorrow too. So, oh, perfect. Uh, on, on Friday, so I'm I'm excited. Uh, and then um, gonna get a little fair food. I'm gonna hit the Canfield Fair, Scott. Nice. It's one of the, the the best fairs. It's a family tradition. So I always love Labor Day weekend. Uh, usually I have my fantasy draft, but we already did that. So I'm ready for my fantasy team to get back into gear and i know you had uh your draft as well and uh i took like i said great time of the year i'm pumped up man yep it's perfect yeah have a great weekend um it was great talking to you we'll do this again next week for sure chud obviously we'll have a million things to talk about as everybody gets pumped for that kansas city game so thanks for listening to the brown zone zone coverage podcast and dave and i'll be back next week thanks a lot